Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. In 1986, a young Columbus mother was experiencing the unthinkable. Her four-year-old daughter was gone. Little Amanda Adams lived on the west side of South Guilford Avenue in a two-story, three-bedroom house that was jam-packed with extended family. Her mom, 20-year-old Carolyn Sue Adams, lived there, as did her grandparents, six other adults, and five other children. Not her dad, though. Her dad was an inmate of the Lima State Hospital, serving a term for drug-related charges. Now, the evening of Monday, June 30th, 1986, Amanda was sound asleep in her first-floor bedroom. She was the only one who slept on the first floor. Everyone else slept upstairs. Someone looked in on her at 2 a.m., and it was the last time anyone would see her. By 9 a.m., Amanda was gone. At first, her family didn't miss her. Amanda's mom, Carolyn, had spent the night away with her boyfriend, and they assumed she must have come back and taken Amanda out that morning. It wasn't until mid-afternoon when Carolyn returned home and all the grown-ups realized nobody had Amanda. They called Columbus police. Carolyn said there was no way her daughter simply walked away. Someone took her. She made a public plea to Amanda's kidnapper. Please bring her back. Investigators learned that the family didn't routinely lock the back door. Amanda's bedroom was just five feet from that door, and dried mud between the door and her room suggested her kidnapper came in easily and whisked her away without much effort. Amanda's blankets were pulled back from her bed, but there was no sign of a struggle or anything out of place. More than 50 officers were set to canvassing a square-mile area around the West Side neighborhood. Had anyone seen the little girl with the blue eyes and the brown hair? She had been wearing white shorts with pink lace and a white shirt with the words hot stuff in red letters. Someone said they did find someone who said they saw a dark-colored Chevrolet Nova behind the alley at 2 a.m., So police kept an eye out for that car, but they had no other clue. It was a challenging search area with numerous alleys, small stores, and fields. A search team looked in dumpsters and marched through those fields, checked out an I-70 overpass, and used mounted police units and tracking dogs from the county sheriff to walk the banks of the Scioto River. Detectives followed up on 40 phone calls from people saying they might have seen her, but none panned out. A week later, on July the 6th, a pair of neighbors who lived about a football field's length away from the Adams' home were working in the garage. John Grames complained to his brother, Sylvester Grame, that he smelled a dead catfish. Sylvester followed his nose to some brush behind a woodpile. Oh, it's the baby, he said. 
Amanda's partially decomposed remains were still in the clothes from the day she disappeared. John Grames had known Amanda pretty much her whole life. She affectionately called him Dirtball, he said, because his hands were always greasy from working on cars. She was a cute little thing, he told the Columbus Dispatch. Two days later, Amanda was laid to rest at Greenlawn Cemetery. Her grieving mother asked a relative to tattoo the name Amanda Sue on the back of her left shoulder. It joined several other tattoos Carolyn had going up and down both arms. And she wasn't just distraught. She was frustrated. Police wouldn't tell her how her daughter was killed or whether she had been sexually assaulted or whether they had made any progress in the search for her kidnapper, now her killer. They put a complete blackout on information, saying sharing anything could hurt the case. And then, suddenly, there was no mother to give information to, because Carolyn Adams was dead. The early afternoon of Wednesday, July the 16th, that's a week after burying Amanda, a boy walking along a creek in a remote area southwest of Columbus found her. She was fully clothed, lying in six inches of water beneath a bridge on Brown Road that crossed Big Run. The location of her body put her case in the hands of the Franklin County Sheriff, and they weren't so tight-lipped about what they knew. Sheriff Earl Smith said Carolyn had been beaten, strangled, and likely dumped from the bridge. He told reporters she was last seen at a tavern on West Broad Street about 11 p.m. the night before, where she had a confrontation with her longtime former boyfriend, 25-year-old Bradley Gavin. Witnesses said Gavin kept wanting to know why Carolyn wouldn't see him anymore, and Carolyn kept asking him to leave the bar. Brad Gavin lived in suburban Grove City with his parents, and he worked as a mechanic for an east side repair shop. He and Carolyn had dated about five years before breaking up. After Amanda's death, Carolyn had moved in with a girlfriend, and the two of them had gone to the Broad Street Bar together that night because Carolyn's new romantic interest was the cook at the bar. After the confrontation with Gavin, the evening waned and the housemate left, but Carolyn stayed behind. The next morning, the housemate realized Carolyn had never made it home. She called people from the bar and learned Carolyn had finally agreed to go out into the parking lot to talk to Gavin and that she never came back inside. Carolyn's family immediately reported her missing. Carolyn's stepmom, Sandra, told reporters about her stepdaughter's tumultuous relationship with Gavin, saying she loved him and hated him. She said Gavin was generally shy and insecure, but given to fits of violence, usually fueled by drugs and alcohol. Sandra Adams said, Once I saw him stand in the middle of the living room and start jumping up and down over and over while screaming. Another time he took a glass of bottle and smashed Carolyn in the face. Deputies had other good reasons to suspect Gavin in Carolyn's death. 
A family member told police she had seen Gavin in a bar about a block from the Adams' home the night before Amanda disappeared. She said he was upset because Carolyn wouldn't go out with him and told her somebody is going to pay tonight. There was also reason to suspect him in Amanda's death. If you'll recall, a witness had seen a Chevrolet Nova in the alley behind the house from which Amanda disappeared. Gavin drove a Chevrolet Nova. But no doubt the biggest reason Gavin sailed to the top of the short suspect list, he was alleged to be a pedophile. The previous April, Franklin County Juvenile Court issued an order to remove Amanda from the house because of suspected sexual abuse by Gavin. But after Carolyn told the court she had broken off her relationship with Gavin, they returned Amanda to the home the very next day. The court wasn't done with Gavin, though. He had been charged with assaulting two other girls in the home, as well as a neighbor's daughter. And his arraignment had been set for the day after Carolyn Adams was murdered. Gavin never made it to court. Thursday, at the time he was supposed to appear in court, Gavin put a twenty-two caliber pistol in his mouth and pulled the trigger. He was in a field near his parents' home. His father and a lawyer heard the shot and ran to him. He was found with a note between his legs. The sheriff wouldn't reveal the letter verbatim, but said it indicated he wanted to be with Amanda and Carolyn and ended it with a drawing of a pair of hands and the words, Praise the Lord. From what the sheriff was willing to reveal, it did not appear to include a confession. Sheriff Smith said there was little doubt in his mind that Gavin was responsible for killing both Amanda and Carolyn, even if he had no physical evidence tying him to either crime. As such, the cases are still open and listed on the Ohio Attorney General's database of unsolved homicides. By the way, it was eventually revealed that Amanda Adams was killed by strangulation and had not been sexually assaulted. Police said they have no motive for the deaths of Carolyn Adams and her daughter. Only the theory that Gavin was jealous Carolyn had moved on and took his revenge. That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.